0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Therapists Deserve Abundance podcast. I am your host, Dr. TK, licensed clinical psychologist and the number one therapist business coach. So I know that it may take a moment for YouTube and Facebook to notify people that we are live, but I am super excited. So um, let's go ahead and jump into it. We have a very special episode today. We have one of our, and when I say our, meaning the Dope Therapist community, the Branding for Abundance community, we have one of our students that is going to share to other mental health providers, people who are in the human services field, what is it really like to be able to grow and scale or start to scale your business? And so um, before we get started, I want to remind people that if you want to receive the affirmations for business, mindset, wealth, or honestly, you need that fire under your tail every single morning. I send out business affirmations Monday through Friday around 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you want to get those, all you have to do is text the word abundance to 310-388-388. 8603. Again, if you want those abundance affirmations, then text 3103888603. So if you are tuning in, if you can head over to the comment box and let us know what state you are from, if you're a therapist, drop that title. Are you licensed? Are you pre-licensed? Are you a social worker or a therapist? If you are new to my channel, I ask that you please let me know that you've enjoyed this content plus other content that I've published in the past that I will continue to publish for mental health providers to live an abundant lifestyle and have an abundant business by simply subscribing to my channel. And then of course, leaving me and the guest speaker some comments to let us know what was your biggest takeaway. So without further ado, I am going to introduce our guest panelist on the podcast today, her name is Shoshana. Now, I've been knowing her since 2020, and that might not even seem far, but considering the last two years we've lived, you know, two years can take a long time. And so, um, she was one of our students in the Dope Therapist Academy. She actually joined in a very special time in May of 2020, in which they had a more expedited uh, cohort where they learned. All the things that my students take six months to learn and implement, they learned it. And when I say they, meaning the whole cohort of 16 students back in May of 2020, they learned all this stuff, y'all, in four weeks. Okay. So that alone just makes her stand out. Okay. But then that wasn't enough. She continued to build her business. I would tap in. We would follow each other online and communicate with one another through that way. I invited her back into the community like, hey, you know, you got VIP access. And so she came on back and then she ended up meeting us at a live event. So we'll get into all of these things in this episode. So I want to now welcome her to the chat and I'm going to have Shoshana introduce herself. All right. Hi. Yes. So let all of our viewers and listeners know where you are, your license type, and a little bit about you. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. TK, for having me. Everyone, I am Shoshana Ward. I'm a licensed clinical social worker based out of North Cacolac, North Carolina. Um, I'm also licensed in New Jersey and Virginia. I am the owner and founder of Council for the Culture, and I just thank Dr. TK for having me. Yes, I am so happy to have you. And if y'all see me looking down, I'm just making sure that everything is streaming correctly, okay? Because technical glitches have been happening (laughs) today, all right? So I want to welcome you. And the way that we typically start all of our podcasts um, or video YouTube podcasts is asking the guests, how did they get into this field? And we hear different stuff. And so what attracted you to going into the mental health field and when did it start? So let's see. When I, so I went to East Carolina University, which is in North Carolina, and I majored in criminal justice, I really didn't have like a plan to go into the mental health field. Criminal justice is one of those um, degrees that if you don't have an exact plan, you can end up, you know, you can work in the court system. You may end up going to law school, which is what I thought I would be doing. Um, but I ended up working in a group home following my time at ECU. So I got my bachelor's degree in criminal justice. I went on to work in a group home. And a year after working in a group home, I decided, oh, I can I can do this. I can, you know, get my own stuff going. I can be a group home owner. So I actually, uh, myself and two other friends of mine, we actually opened a level three group home for at-risk girls. And from there, mental health is one of those things where once you're in it, you either love it and you continue to grow and do things within the field, or you go the opposite direction. So for myself, I continue to elevate um, just in the mental health field. I love working with teenagers at the time. And then I began working with their families, um, their parents, of course, and I've been in it ever since. It's been 15 plus years for me. Jeez. Listen, I learned something yeah. new every time somebody on here. I didn't know you didn't went out and opened up a whole group home. <laughs> yeah, I had a group home. We did a community mental health agency. So we had mental health workers in the community. We did a lot of um, community events and things like that. And we was out there in those streets. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I used to work for a group home. So I, I definitely understand the whole uh teenager group home. I used to work at an emergency one out here in LA County during my first two years in my graduate program. And yeah,
1: <laughs> that was, world.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was an emergency one too. So we would get the kids, nobody wanted, um, which mm-hmm. that came with a lot of baggage as you could imagine. Right. right. and It's so, a great learning experience though. You learn yeah, so yeah. much working in the community and working in group homes, hospitals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah. <laughs> definitely determines, like, who you will become. <laughs> like, Oh, this. yes. It definitely determines who you will become. Are you meant for this or not? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you clearly went to graduate school. You mm-hmm. got licensed. Your title is LCSW. Why did you choose social work? How did you choose social work? So in working in the group home and then just working in community mental health, Social work, I was attracted to social work because we were in the community, right? Like when I met with other people who were um, of different disciplines, although they started to get the experience after getting their licensure, they didn't really have the community you know, aspect. And so I'm very big on social justice, um, which is why I went for counsel for the Culture in terms of my business name. And it was just important to me uh, with social work. I met with a lot of other social workers who were in um, in this field or who were going to get their master's. Um, I met with people who had their bachelor's in social work, which I did not, but I was attracted to the work that they were doing and felt like it was a great fit for me. I didn't know when I got my master's that I would be leading into licensure. So that was something that I figured out halfway through, like, okay, I need to get a license now. And so at this point, I was already, um, this was after I had my, my business. So I had the group home with the bachelors in criminal justice, and then I later went to school to get my master's, and then went on to get a license and worked as a clinical director and did a lot of um intensive in home. I don't know what it's called out there in California or you know any other state that you all are at, but or in, but we call it um, intensive in home here in North Carolina. Community support team, act services, so it's intensive mm-hmm. community support services, mental health services, and so I was. In there, yes, yes, yeah. We got a whole lot of programs out here in Cali. Now, there, there's something that you said that definitely stood out. What well, was a few things? One is you've been out here also building businesses, you know, <laughs> and also something that we're going to talk about later on, but I just want to identify it now is you had mentioned that you went to school for one thing and then you found a love for another thing, and then you realized that, oh, wait, I need to get licensed, so I need to learn some other things. And I really want to highlight that because I was in Atlanta at a social workers conference. And one of the things that I talked to them about from the stage is in that industry, I don't think that they do enough in undergrad, like professors, not the students, Mm -hmm. professors to help students in the social worker arena understand how to choose even the curriculum that they're going to need later to learn the clinical aspect before they decide to like, go to graduate school. And I say that because I I had a friend and this was the first time that I had knew about it because I was in my little bubble of clinical psychology. And I had a PsyD student with me. We were doing pre-doc and she said that she went to Howard for undergrad and she went Mm -hmm. to get her master's degree, but it was a master's degree just for general social work, which meant that she was working in like, well, California would be Department of Children and Family Services. And so I was like, well, how did you cross over to therapy? Because I had no clue that they're, I do not know what their curriculum looked like. You know, all I knew was what mine looked like. That's what most people are knowledgeable about. And that's right. when I qu- quickly realized how inequipped some of the social workers that I had met that whole time, no wonder why they had a hard time understanding like when we would do a case conceptualization. Cause I was like, yo notice, but no, <laughs> because depending on their program, if they did regular versus clinical, then They're not really set up, which means that they either have to pay for training later and or spend a lot of time prepping. So what would you say to some early career social workers so that if they want to position themselves like you to do things in the community at large, but also do the clinical work, what would be some tips that you would give them at the beginning of their academic career? Definitely stepping outside of the classroom and aligning yourselves with People who are doing clinical work, looking at um, different websites that offer trainings, getting a coach who is offering clinical um, support, peer groups, like all those things outside of the classroom, all the things that I did not actually do or know about when I was in school. So, my master's program was general as well. It wasn't, we didn't have a clinical track. And so, the DSM was not introduced in the master's program. A lot of people were wanting to go the, not the clinical route, but they were wanting to do like macro um, social work, which is awesome as well. But just knowing that what you're going to need outside of the classroom is important for you to to link with other people who are doing it. And there are so many other social workers, so many people with master's degrees who have the same story. Like you said, Dr. TK, you didn't even know that that was a thing. Um, and then you don't know that you're missing something sometimes until you get out of the classroom. And so you don't have to wait. I think now, there's so much access um, to people such as Dr. TK, such as myself, and other people who are out there in the community that can really help you. And you do not have to wait until you are finished with your program to get your feet wet, get the credentials, um, the certifications that you need, like all those CEUs, you can get clinical CEUs right now. No, that's good. That's good. And I'm glad that we're speaking to this because on my podcast, on YouTube, and just honestly in the social arena of like Instagram and stuff, I get a mix of people. And I'm sure that all the therapists, you know, once other people start seeing what you're doing, they aspire to say, you know, I want to have that. I want to follow in her footsteps, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I really want to speak to that group because there is a large amount of pre-licensed therapists that watch these interviews. And I know that they're watching them over and over again because they get in my DM and they say, I cannot wait to do X, Y, and Z. I cannot wait to have what, and then they'll start naming You all's names. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, this message is definitely sticking, not just with clinicians who are licensed and ready to have a business or already have a business, but also those people who are preparing to one day get a business because it's never too early. I always say that it's never too early to start branding yourself and your resume. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So we're in grad school, we have our degree. And so, how did you decide that private practice was? what you wanted to do and what was that process like to open up a private practice? So for me, once I got my license, I worked different agencies doing assessments, clinical director, program manager, just really trying to add value to the agencies that I was with, but also learning as I went in every day, okay, what can I take from the places that I'm at so that I can also apply them later on into my own um, business? There was a lot of red tape Specifically in North Carolina, again, I don't know, you know, how it is in in other states, but I imagine that it's similar. And so, opening up a private practice wasn't it wasn't an easy task in North Carolina if you wanted to be paneled with like Medicaid. So Medicaid was something that we accepted in most of the agencies that I had worked for. And so, in order to be able to accept that as a solo um, provider, there's a lot of red tape to basically go through. And so on my mind, self-pay was not, I, I was never taught about self-pay. I'm thinking like, who, like self-pay? Like, I don't know anybody who's going to pay, that's my, that's you know, li, for, completely foreign. Like who's paying? Who's going to, who was going to pay me? <laughs> who's going to give my coins? So, you know, that was completely um, foreign to me. And then when it came to the insurance panels, that was another, you know, process. But for me, being an early entrepreneur, starting out having a group home as my first business, having 50 employees up under me, early 20s, it was something that I always wanted to get back to. But I felt like there was this barrier in between me and the red tape you know, that I mentioned earlier. There was this barrier that's there, this red tape that's there preventing me from going into practice or just having a business in general. We see a lot of agencies. So I didn't see a lot of black professionals in private practice. You're either working for a bigger agency or maybe a smaller agency that's black owned, but it's still an agency. So they have a lot of different services. It's not just it's not only therapy. They're doing a lot of different um, services. So for me, about 2019, so three years ago, right before the world shut down, I actually personally I was going through um, IVF and I had two long years of just a lot. If you know, if you've ever been through IVF, that's a different story for a different day. But I was going through a lot at that time, and I remember just thinking I wanted to do something that was gonna allow me to just be my authentic self. I was tired of showing up to other people's businesses. I was just tired. And I'm like, I've done this before, I've been, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, I've always had. Whether it was a side business or a full business, I've always been in business since I started. So I said to myself, OK, now is the time. I want to open up a virtual practice. I'm multi-licensed in, you know, in various states. So my goal was always to expand my reach, which is the reason why I got licensed in multiple states from the beginning. So I decided that I was going to open a virtual practice in 2019. And then 2020 happened. And I'm like, oh, so now everyone actually needs a virtual practice. I don't have no choice <laughs> but to come and see me. Like the world is shut down. Everyone Absolutely. needs. I got you. I got you. So I um I decided to actually go with the insurance um, panels because it did allow me to move more quickly in terms mm-hmm. of transitioning out of the job that that I was in. And, and at that point, my goal was to like, I'm ready to go so i could have you know taken it a little bit slower and really leaned into you know like the self-pay but at that point i was ready so i jumped into it and then yeah. i met y'all Did i met you <laughs> so before we get there let me let me go back a little bit because even before people meet me there's usually an internal processes That happens, especially amongst therapists. I can't speak for every therapist, but I've surveyed the ones that are in our program because they fill out a form. And then a lot of them back then were coming to a lot of my webinars. That was pretty much the only way you can get into the program. And so one of the trends that I've recognized, because I know that we're going to talk later about how you also serve a certain group of people within the context of the human services field, is that, you know, it's pretty much been ingrained from my experience from graduate school, probably even before then, that we have to learn how to be independent, even though we've worked for these agencies, you pretty much were taught how to get a nine to five job, defer living later, you know, all those things that really don't serve you, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. That low key make a lot of us unhappy over time. And so with that said, when people like myself come around, or if you have a solution to someone's problem, that's out of the context of you being a therapist, sometimes people either don't believe it because it looks too good to be true, or we really depend, When I say we meaning a therapist as well, we truly depend on our counterparts to help us go to the next level. And with that in mind, we really, if you're a provider and you're listening, your circles of influence, at least one of your circles, has to mimic the level that you want to go to. Or you at least need to have a person in that circle that you can talk to. Why? Because, you know, if you share your big dreams with a small minded person, it's going to be really difficult for everybody to keep up. Right. And so what was it like for you before investing in yourself? Meaning what are some of the things that you tried to, um, you know, get your business up and running? Because you were already a business owner, but private practice is a little different. What are the things that you put in place before you found me? Hmm. So before I found you, I in terms of um, like marketing, right, so getting my business out there, I would send um, emails, I would really only connect with um, agencies that I had already had, you know, connections with, maybe I worked there before, I wasn't really expanding outside of just the small circle that I had. So even though on my mind, I, you know, wanted to reach so many different people and, Again you know multi-license it still was a small mindset because I didn't know how far I could expand and the things that I could do outside of okay, I'm licensed in North Carolina at this time, I'm licensed in North Carolina and Virginia, but it still was just that that mindset of reach out to these agencies, let them know that you are available to do therapy and that's it. we're just gonna do therapy and that's all nothing else to to really provide because I hadn't seen it. So I did put things in place to communicate with different agencies. I would send out packages. I would organize uh, workshops and things like that. But the reach was still not there until we met. Mm -hmm. Okay. So at the time you came, um, just to like put everybody up to date, um, there's a cluster of clinicians, 16 to be exact, (laughs) that had the experience of (laughs) seeing me maneuver through the pandemic by using YouTube Live. For the very first time and having fun in a five day boot camp, which some people now at this point see it in one day. Right. So, how did you find out about the boot camp? And then, what was your experience as a therapist, you know, seeing what I offered, but then you still had to make the decision to invest in yourself? So, what was that like? So, one of my um, friends, Daniil, who was also um, in the elite. Coaching. She's on here. She's here. She's on. Hey, <laughs> so she actually um, sent me. I don't know. We was texting or something, and she said, "There's this five day um, free like live that's going on, on YouTube. I think we should watch it." So, I am a person. It it can be a great thing and also my downfall. Sign me up. I just be signing up for stuff. <laughs> Sign me up. Oh, it's free. Okay, I'm gonna go there. This free. That's free. Let me see everything mm-hmm. that I can basically get. So we signed up for it and. Every day, you know, we just kept showing up. And I remember at the end of those five days, I told Danielle, I was like, yeah, I'm in there. I'm doing it. She was like, you already decided? It's like, yeah, I'm doing it, girl. Like, it's fine. I already seen all I need to see. Like, I got a lot of information during the five days. Like, I felt your your energy through it and you were doing something that I wanted to do. So representation is so important. And a lot of times, you know, being that I have had the experience that I've had, it was really hard for me to feel like I... Needed like any more support. I'm like, what? Well, I've already had a group home, I've had this business, I've done this business, you know I know everything that you know my state has to offer and all the things that's necessary to move forward. I just need to implement them, so what could I possibly you know need more of until I seen your five day you know live and so just getting the information, seeing you know the the energy that was in the room, even though it was virtual. Um, seeing the comments that were in there. And there's the tools that you gave out. So I'm like, if you're giving this for free, there's some other stuff behind yeah. you. I got to get, I I need, I need that in my life. What is in the rest I of need the it. Piece? Something in there. I need that. Um, so it was a, you know, at the time that piece was a no brainer for me, but it was difficult in getting into the one-on-one because I hadn't invested in myself outside of college. Like I would do CEUs, but I'm looking for okay, what's the free CEUs? Okay, I might pay the ones that I really like. Okay, I'll pay for those if it's a specialty or something that I really want. But other than that, the investment piece just wasn't there. Um, mm-hmm. so I did the three five days, then I got into DTA, and that was what, six weeks? That I was it- four weeks back four then. Weeks. We did not do six weeks. We didn't have time in the pandemic four weeks, to do yeah. <laughs> six four weeks. every Saturday. My husband's like, What are you what are you doing now? I'm Sir, I'm busy. We I'm in a group for two, <laughs> two hours. hours just for, for two hours. For two right. hours. Yes. And so it was a lot of information and it was very helpful. But even then it was still difficult for me to move to that next level and to invest in the one-on-one. But I already knew that I needed the one-on-one as well. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and that was only because I had reached a certain, a certain place. Initially, I didn't think that the group would be like most beneficial to me. I'm like, what do I need a group for? Like I just need okay. the Can you speak to that? Cause I know that we're going to talk about what you do beyond even private practice, because mm-hmm. that's part of the topic today as well, just so that I want to start putting out there in the atmosphere what all things are possible beyond private practice for therapists to be able to see that there are plenty of things that they can use their gifts for right Mm -hmm. so let's slow this down because this is very very important (laughs) why do you feel like or why did you feel because it's past tense? why did you feel like the group may not have been the best fit for you but then something changed so initially I felt like, okay, well, I can just hide, you know, in the group and maybe not get no thing, nothing done. It depends on your coach. So you can just show up and you're there, but, you know, A, what am I really doing like behind the scenes? And it's like, who, you know, who's checking? Who's going to check for me? Who's going to hold me accountable if I'm in, you know, this this group? So am I really going to show up and do the work? Also feeling that, you know, whoever I'm in the room with at this time, not knowing, you know, who my sisters would be at the time, Um, but not knowing, like, are we on the same level? Like, do they need the same things that I need? Do I need what they need? Is it going to be scattered because we're in this group and I don't know what they're here for. They don't know, you know, what I'm here for. So just not. um, And then, you know, in college, you have these group projects and nobody likes group group work. Group work is like, Mm, no, I, I don't, I don't know, know about that. So just really um, some hesitancy there when it came to the group and me feeling as though I had some very specific needs and I knew that or felt like, you know, in a group, how am I going to get those mm-hmm. needs met if it's very specific? Um, that and is only actually because the I had objection that most people have about group programs, not recognizing that, as you mentioned, if you choose the right program, meaning you know what you want, You know what you're looking for. Typically, the teacher will appear once you become clear on what you want. And I'm not talking about I want a one-on-one coach. Like, what are you going to get from the one-on-one coaching or whatever you're looking for? Because the level that your circle, if you join the right one, can push you to is on a whole nother level. And then not to mention, if you're in the right group and they're talking about the right thing that you're looking for, then you can recognize that even some questions that you have not had yet. Right. Were things that you were exposed to. And then you can kind of keep it in your back pocket because you can always go back to the portal to review it later. And I I did want to speak to that because a lot of clinicians at this point are starting to look at the beyond one to one in therapy once one to many, whether that be therapeutic groups, support groups, tapping into coaching and a whole lot of other digital products. Right. Like you're in that space now. We're going to get to that in a moment. But sometimes therapists are scared to go over to that other side, primarily because of their limiting mindset, because they believe that group won't work for them. Therefore, I just want to put out there laws of attraction. You know, again, what you put out there is what you get back. So if you don't want to offer your services one on one, how do you expect for people to sign up for your group services? You know. Okay, so you clearly thrived <laughs> in the group. Our group was intimate; it was sixteen people, which is around and mm-hmm. about how many people show up to the cause now—maybe sixteen to twenty-five on any given week. And you know, then you graduated. So, what happened to your business during the pandemic? Because you said that you started a telehealth practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as soon as I started, you know, I had the the mindset that okay, it's going to take me a while to grow this thing. So let me jump on at the time it was a um a platform i would not say any names but let me do some therapy for them let me do something else because i didn't have the mindset or the belief that you know my business was gonna grow as it did but as soon as i joined um dta and even within those those four weeks i'm thinking maybe like eight weeks out into my business, I was full. I had a waiting list. And so the therapy piece for me was okay, well, this is done. Therapy is full. I already knew that I wanted to, I didn't want to want a hundred percent of the work that I did to be therapy. So I had a very specific number that I wanted to focus on and said, once I reached that number in therapy, I want to start expanding into other things. And so I'm trying to think, when did we do the Vegas wasn't until last year, right? It wasn't until last year, but I was just going to highlight for any DTA students who are watching and or rewatching later, her framework was one of the first contest winners. And when I say her framework was fire, it's probably still in the DTA portal. That, that's how great that thing was, okay? <laughs> but like, to me, that's when it all came together. When you were able to break down who your ideal client is, your framework, step-by-step theoretical orientation Mm -hmm. of how that client is going to come to you, how you're going to transform them into another version of themselves. Mm -hmm. I I just felt like the client, like that I wanted to be her, you know, based off the outcome. But it was, I just wanted to put that out there because the therapists know about the framework. I'm hoping that all of them do the framework and we make the contest available. But to me, that's when I started to see therapists Show all the way up and all the way the hell out <laughs> when yeah. they started doing that framework. Cause it to me yeah. changed the game for how you saw your business. Yeah. Yeah. The clarity was different once you did the, the framework and, and, you know, everybody likes a little friendly competition. So we all like, okay, you really, at the time I was not doing videos or live. So I remember um, you challenged us to like get up there and I would say, okay, Dr. TK, I made sure I prefaced it with Dr. TK said, I had to get up here and do this live. So here I am y'all. <laughs>
1: So but but we even two then,
0: years later, we still got them doing it. So don't think that it's just for y'all. 2022. Listen, listen that it was definitely a game changer there. But I, I would agree. I think that the the framework was really it put things in perspective, and so clarity is very very important. If you don't have that, then you feel very scattered, and it was also you know just seeing that the framework was already there because you would tell us like, what are you already doing? What are, what are you doing every time you see a client? What happens first? What happens next? And just getting us to see what the framework was, and then making some adjustments if necessary, of course. Yeah. So private practice popping. And one little thing I'll insert in here, because, you know, I always talk about um, is your practice pandemic proof, you know, because that's just I feel cool saying a word online now because back then you would get banned or something if you use these (laughs) words. But nevertheless, that topic is very accurate because a lot of therapists, especially clinicians of color, Some people who didn't even want to go into private practice end up going into private practice, but nevertheless, our arena got super saturated. And not only did it get saturated, but it got saturated online, which means that if you were a person doing video and you were doing video very inconsistently, you, you got stumbled on in 2020 and 2021 because you had to figure out creative ways to stand out. So what I'm really saying is please learn how to market yourself even beyond Facebook ads, even beyond a global pandemic or a situation that may occur in your neighborhood that makes people go find a therapist because people do go back to whatever their norm is or what we would consider now our new norm, Mm -hmm. right? So fast forward, you're building your business. I'm seeing you popping online. You, you, You got products and stuff now. And so then we get to the end of 2021 and you decided that you wanted to meet us in Vegas. And so can you take therapists through why you chose to meet me in vegas and then what that experience was like especially for those who want to see what's possible beyond private practice yeah so vegas you know that decision came because i knew i always knew that i also wanted to do the next level of what you had to offer and so going to vegas helped me to solidify that i wanted to know like okay what does this feel like in person what you know what would that next level feel like and moving up in the the programs that you had available. So get into ECM. We had been in the house, you know, for over a year. Like, <laughs> give me a reason to go to Vegas. So I wanted to go and really just be able to feel that energy and see if there was some, you know, something in addition to what we had already been doing in DTA and online, if there was something else that I could get from that. And I really did, you know, being able to be there with other therapists who were doing other things. Yes, we had talked about it. Online, I think I I only knew one person um, that I had met online. So I was able to meet two new people who I still keep in contact with. Uh, We were able to do our do it live, you know, write our things on the worksheets that we had on the the post-it notes, like just being being real active. And I'm very I like to do interactive things. And so just being able to expand outside of the online world and get back in person. Um, It was a game changer and I was able to get even more clarity then. And at that time we were working on the um, what was it? It was Black Friday. So Mm -hmm. even in that, I had never planned for like a launch before, you know, months in advance, basically. So that Mm -hmm. was actually my first time planning for a launch. Um, So that was my my. My main reason, you know, for being there. And it was so helpful. Like I learned so many different things. I was able to implement the launch strategies. And even though we had access to that in the portal, showing up live, it was different because we were able to hyper focus on, okay, we're preparing for a launch that's happening in November. So it was a Black Friday, you know, sell. And this was August. So we were a couple months ahead. And that was also when you talked to us about planning things in quarters. Right, mm-hmm. and so again, I had heard some of this information. We've been in DTA. I have access to you know the portal. I watch um, Dr. TK's lives and all those things. But bringing it all together in person was the icing on the cake, and it actually mm-hmm. encouraged me to move forward and start the ECM. So I want to mention test driving the car um, because I want you. We're gonna pivot the conversation and talk about what you're doing beyond private practice, but I think it's very important that people learn how to test drive the car when it's available. So what is test driving the car? If somebody is going live, watch their videos or watch the replay. If somebody sends emails, see how they write, see how it speaks to you. If they have a live event, a webinar, a masterclass, a a YouTube something, like get in there if you can, live if you can, just so that you can be in the room, whether it's a virtual space or a physical space. And I will say, depending on what you're looking for, I know that particular event, we had eight seats and we end up feeling like, I think we felt four, but somebody couldn't come. And so, and then we also invited like a mastermind student, Anita, at that time. And so one of the things that I had um, told you all about, because we had did a meeting before we went, just like I did with them for this year, And I said, you know, I don't care how many people in there, we about to be speaking like it's a thousand people. Okay. But you all have an opportunity that maybe a larger group doesn't, which is you get that accessibility for 48 hours, I'm gonna say two days at the event to dive deep, deep because the bigger the group is, yes, you do have to share time. So take advantage of this opportunity, even without thinking about ECM. Get your needs met (laughs) because what other time will you have this undivided attention in this? secluded space where everybody on the same page, you know? Right. So with that said, can you introduce, like I know you said you had like Black Friday launched. I know you've had physical products. Um so can you tell our audience a little bit about some of the things that you have going on, but also there's a big thing that's about to happen like fairly soon. Yeah. So I um I have two products. Um one of them is my big therapist energy um t shirts that I launched, I don't remember guys. So don't, that, I'm not even going to lie. out. It was a couple months ago. Um, and so that is, um, I love t-shirts. So that was something that I did um, for myself and therapists and other people who are also getting therapy. So that was my second product launch. Well, my first product launch, which I fell in love with was my mask off affirmation card, specifically for black women. And so those cards have affirmations along with self-reflective like journal entries and questions and things like that. So those were my two um, product launches. And then I am now working on a program for, when is it? May will be coming up soon. And I have a workshop that goes along with that. So a week ago, we did the real life, no syllabus workshop, and you can follow me on Council for the Culture on Instagram. Go to the link in my bio. The link is the very first one. It says Real Life No Syllabus and click there. We're having another workshop next Monday, which is the 18th, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So go to the link in my bio um, on Instagram and click that link. Sign up for the Real Life No Syllabus workshop. And so in that I talk to mental health professionals about structuring their syllabus, like for their life, their life syllabus. Um, A lot of us are interested in having products, doing things outside of private practice. Maybe you still want to work in the job that you have. Not everyone wants to be a full-time business owner. And so sometimes it's hard to kind of find your place and determine like, what else can I do? What if I don't want to go in a private practice? What are some other things that I can do that would tap into that creativity or create passive um, income? And so the people that I am working with are mental health professionals as well as students. So the students that come on board, they're very excited because they're able to start now. So, again, you know, we talked earlier about me not starting until way later and not having the tools. And so if you're a student, you're able to come in and really start that process now and learn how you can use transferable skills to actually launch some products or a side business, side hustle, whatever it is you want to call it. And so in that workshop, we'll be brainstorming some things that I've already done, giving some tools to start creating that, that syllabus You know, for yourself. The play on the syllabus really came actually with the therapist that I was working with providing therapy. And I was working with a lot of clients who typically come to me and they are like, I don't know what to do with my life. Like, it's not like structured the way it was. And I'm like, "Yes, right, say, say that again. I don't, know what, to do with my I don't life. know what to do with my life. Like, you know, like, what am I supposed to do? I work with a lot of college students and these aren't mental health professionals. These are just black professionals in general. So I have lawyers, doctors that are still like, I, I'm a doctor, but I don't know what to do. Like, what am, what am I doing here? So. I really, um, you know, begin to talk to them about the difference in when we were in college, we had a syllabus. It tells you exactly what you need to do. And if you do this and you get this grade, this is what's going to happen next. It's already laid out. You just have to follow the plan. But when you leave college, you don't have that necessarily laid out for you. You don't have the plan no, like, like, laid out. Correct. You. You, don't you, don't laid out. <laughs> you don't have nothing laid out. You, you don't have nothing laid out. I got my degree job exactly the only thing you have is a job you're like I got my degree I got a job it's lit then you start seeing everybody else that's litter you're like wait a minute something ain't right I mean something something is not right what am I doing wrong here so you know my goal is to work with those people who are really like me another thing that I didn't say earlier one of the things that I love about Dr. CK was that she actually was doing like multiple she was doing one big thing but it was still multiple things and that really spoke to me because I was The same, the same way. I'm like, okay, I'm an adjunct professor. I'm a clinical director over here. I'm giving therapy. How can I bring this together so I'm not running crazy? But I don't want to give all of these things up. I want to be able to incorporate them because those are the things that prevent me from being burned out. To be honest, like I have to be able to do a couple of different things in a couple of different ways so that I'm not burned out. So you follow me on Instagram. Click the link in my bio. Get signed up for the workshop, which is free. Will be the second and the last time that thing is free. So um, you can join. It's going to be next Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then from there, you'll be able to learn more about the program that's coming in May. No, that's good, because, I, I mean, again, we have multiple layers of people who listen and tune into the podcast. So we have general public and they know somebody who knows somebody. So what I'm also saying, my peoples, is like sometimes you may not be able to directly Um, Take advantage of it, for example. But it doesn't mean that somebody else does not. Or if you're a college professor, share that with your class. It is free. (laughs) Like, let them test drive the car. That's why I gave those analogies earlier. Because sometimes we don't know what we don't know until we get into a space where everything is, like, highlighted in front of us. And also keep in mind that when these things happen, allow yourself to be irritated. Irritation is actually a good thing, especially when you get put in front of new information that you think you should have been taught. Okay, but what I love that Shoshana is doing, as she mentioned um, just a moment ago, is she's pulling all of these pieces of her gifts together to be able to give back to a greater cause. Because if you're new to my channel or my podcast, I'm really big on serving an impact. And I always believe that your profits will always follow based on where your heart is, you know. And so let me see anybody in the comment box. What are your What are your comments about like this no life, you ain't got no syllabus kind of thing? Because let's be real, if you are licensed, some of y'all still need a syllabus, okay? <laughs> because you, you, you don't know where to go. And I think sometimes when people see what I do, they're like, well, if I don't want to do that, does that mean that I'm doomed? You know, I, I, I have to right. go into private practice? No, you don't have to do anything. If you really don't want to, for example, even be a business owner on your own, there are other opportunities, right? Yeah. Syllabus, like syllabi, syllabus. Yeah. Whatever word we want to use today. Um, Let me put up her information again. And so what you would do, if you want to learn more about this masterclass that she's about to have in the next few weeks, you would go to the Instagram page. And as soon as you click the link on her bio, it's the first one at the top. Now, let me ask you, Shoshana, if they go to the page and they read about it, and they still have questions, what is the best way to reach you? So you can send me a direct message on Instagram. You may email me um, at sward at com. You can send a, let's see, I also have a contact form there. So you can use the contact form to get in touch with me. So either of those, of those things will work. Mm-hmm. But let me be let me be very clear because, you know, since she is my client, <laughs> I do protect her time. And so what I'm also asking if you're watching, because I'm very candid, is make sure y'all read the page. Like sometimes when I, you know, somebody will go to the page and they don't want to read the page. Therefore, they'll send and I'm I ain't saying she ain't going to answer them, but I'm just saying like so that you can have a actual fulfilling discussion in the DM or via email and get straight to what you're looking for. Make sure that you read about what the masterclass can do for you because that's the value before shooting her all these questions because some a lot of the questions, I am sure, <laughs> are on the page, okay? But show her some love as well. You know what I'm saying? Follow her on Instagram. She posts some super good reels, just <laughs> so y'all know, okay? So go and find her on Instagram. Um, Now you did mention, and we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. So as we wrap up, I do want to touch on it because we're talking about community, like you're building a community, we have a community. When you say ECM, I always have to now slow this down because most people don't know what ECM is. You went to a live event that was like a pop-up mastermind. Can you tell them what ECM is to you? Yes. So ECM, um, so that's the elite coaching, elite mastermind coaching. And in that we are able to connect the, let's see, the first one this year was actually in California. So we all met in California. It was about, how many of it, how many was there? Was it 20? In California, I think it was 16. 16? Okay. So with well, the show, no, no, code- no. I'm, I'm thinking about last year in Vegas. I'm getting these days collided. It was, I think 20. It yeah. ended up being okay. the majority of the students. Okay. Hi, Nanette. I know. I know her. Hey. Wait, somewhere did somewhere? you know that somebody said this? Yes. Are you still in NC? Yes, I am still in North Carolina. I am. So in the the ECM, um, it was great. We were able to connect uh, with other therapists that were there. We had a hot seat, which I participated in and got a lot of feedback. So we're able to get feedback from one another when we are, you know, real live in in community with each other. Um, We also communicate outside of the group. So we have our mini groups that we are able to pull from there. And so that's really important. You know, we were talking earlier about, whether groups are valuable or not, but it's very valuable because you're able to have your own accountability outside of you know just your one-on-one with, with your coach. If I only had Dr. TK, I would be running her crazy if I had to just bother well, her. Right, you would be limited, let's be honest. I would be, be limited, decide, yes. You would be limited to one perspective. Yes. Yes. Let's be all the real. <laughs> yes, and it's so great because we're all in the room together and we all have this experience collectively and individually. And we're able to add value when we're giving feedback to each other and things that you didn't even think about or just hearing other people's questions that you wouldn't hear. Like, I'm not sitting in Dr. TK's one-on-ones with, you know, the other therapists. So I wouldn't know what questions they asked if we weren't in the same um, community. So, yeah, mm-hmm. with ECM, we get together in person. We have fun. Did the escape room? Wait, look people. at this comment. Look what she said. I like you mm-hmm. even more now. Shoshana is good people. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so I, I want to pull this in because there's a reason why I had you talk about ECM or the mastermind. You just finished introducing the importance of starting early for a large group of. I'm gonna say human service people because not everybody may want to be a clinician, right? right. So. What we teach our clients and even if you've not been in our programs, but you came to like the Vegas event because we had a lot of, uh, you know, like a group of eight clinicians that came and eight of them had never been in any of our coaching programs, which was pretty fascinating to see the process of what that would look like versus those who were used to my language, at least in our program. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we always tell them is make sure that you capture the moment. So like when Shoshana came to Vegas at the Aria suite, I always have the same suite, right? I'm like, oh, y'all better capture this view. You better capture this little dim sunlight, this conference room, this couch you are working from and living from anywhere and everywhere. And specifically your clients, they like to see that you're forever learning. And so Mm -hmm. that's why I wanted her to address also not just the program, but also her specific experience, because think about it as a human services provider or therapist, if you're only by yourself all the time. And you are like, oh, I don't want nobody to see my personal life. First of all, it's not the personal life. It's a business investment. And secondly, how do you think clients know that you're up to date with what you're doing Mm -hmm. on the business side, career side, and clinical side? Some of y'all, as she mentioned, you know, you just searching for those cheap, free CEs. And I'm going to ask you, how far will those CEs take you in your business if you ain't got no damn clients? Like, clients. You know, like we want to be all the way Ken, and I ain't about to get up a soapbox right now. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you do all this work to get all these uh trauma-focused clients. I mean, how to get these trauma-focused strategies. Guess, but you yeah. have no clients to implement the that's strategy good. on. Right. Because you depended on honestly, some of y'all depended straight up on Instagram as you're marketing. And that's one of the things that we talked about in September. Is like use email marketing to nurture your audience. It's it's not the devil. It, it might be a lot to learn, but it it is not where you got to like <laughs> stand back. Right. It will become your best friend because Instagram at any time, and we've seen it happen what two or three times in the last like year and a half. It can fall at any time. What what would it? What if this was the day that you were announcing your masterclass, right? And the only way you can talk to people is via Instagram. And if the algorithm is not working in your favor that day, what if they, what if they don't even see your stuff, right? Well, nobody was here because I mean, you couldn't post it, <laughs> right, not even an option at all. Right. So I'm just highlighting that because, you know, we do have another group of people who are coming to New York and they've heard from some people in Vegas. So they're super excited, which is good, because that means that we're creating community and we are doing what we're supposed to do as leaders. When I say we, you, everybody in our field, we are doing what we're supposed to do. But I love what you're doing, because to me, it's almost a flavor of what is a flavor of um, paying you forward, because you're not just helping clinicians at your level or wanting to get at your level, but you're also helping the beginners. And that's an arena that a lot of people talk about, but they ain't about it. They don't, they don't want to slow down and actually create a space for new social workers to be able to navigate through their career and choose the best fit. So I know that we're coming to the end of time, but somebody might see this who also low-key wants you as a therapist. So let me go ahead and speak to that. Who is your ideal client and are you taking clients? And if so, how can they find you? Yes, so I have just lifted my wait list a few weeks ago. So I have um, some spaces available and I work with specifically with Black professionals who are experiencing some type of transition. So that may be from college to career, that may be from married to not married or from not married to married, career transitions, um, new parents, so retirement. So anyone who is experiencing a particular transition and also experience the, you made it. So your problems are not like my problems. And so they don't really have the space to work through their own stuff. Um, people think that they no longer you know, need support or they don't need support just because they're in these professional spaces. Um, and so I provide therapy to those folks and you can reach me by going to my website, um, com, And you may send an inquiry there or you may also reach me I don't really do the Instagram. Um, I need their oh, no, things. I do get, do that. Yeah, I do. I we get links there. And, and normally when I get a message, I still tell them they need to go to the website. So I'm telling you guys now so you don't have to get the message to go to the website. Just go straight to my website, um, counselfortheculture.com, and send the an inquiry and I will get back with you. And what states are you? like? Are you still licensed in multiple states? Yes, I am in Virginia, North Carolina and New Jersey. Okay. So that's good for people to know because I didn't want them because I know this one state had popped up multiple times. And so she's licensed in three states, y'all. Yes. And it's um, adults and so- or only. I have had that question where some oh, yeah. people have reached that's out good. for their kids, but it is adults only. So 18 and nine. Nice. So let me ask the audience, uh, on a scale of one to 10, how did you all like the podcast episode today? I know that some people were popping in and out, but in summary, we've talked about why Shoshana chose the mental health field, Opening up a group home, being able to take that business savviness and then pouring some of it into her private practice, learning how to invest in herself and having good circles of influence around her to say, "Girl, come on to this virtual party," you know, with me. Um, and then she joined a bigger community that continues to support her, pour into her, so that she can pour into other people. All right. So whether you are watching this uh, live and or recorded, make sure that you show her some love. Make sure that you head over to Instagram, follow her, turn on the post notifications. And when she starts, I know that she has a few posts, but when she starts sharing about the No Life, No Syllabus uh, Masterclass, make sure that you send that to somebody who can benefit from it, even if you cannot. So I want to say from the bottom of my heart, I love having my students on here. I love watching them shine and seeing them all the way glowed up. Man, this has been a journey since 2020, right? So let's see. Tosh said, man, this was good. This was good. <laughs> so, Thank you. I'm glad it was. Right. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to tap into our community this week because I am pulling more and more. Just for you who've been asking, I'm starting to pull more interviews in and where we're starting at because we're the second quarter at this point. We did a lot of dope therapist academy interviews last year. And I really Mm -hmm. noticed that what was missing were people who had went to the live events because people are like, where are they now? It's almost like I should do a video. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) where you know now. So I definitely want to do that. Mm -hmm. Um I do want to host a panel where maybe we can call a collective of clinicians to come in. I think that would be pretty cool. But I will be focused on how do clinicians go from private practice to one to many, right? So yes, you can definitely catch the replay on YouTube and on Facebook. We will be releasing it on the podcast within the next week or two. But if you're a visual person, just grab your popcorn, sit down and pull it up on your TV, right? Um, So I'm glad that you all have enjoyed it. And I will see you all in the next podcast episode. Bye.